0: It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com.
1: Hi, everybody. Just a quick uh, precursor. This is the shortened version of this week's podcast. Unfortunately, we had a few audio issues with our guest, Adam, but this version is just the last half an hour of the show with Paul and I. Apologies, but we'll be back next week with perfect audio. Hello, Cricket Unfiltered listeners, and welcome back. Uh, we're recording this live on YouTube. I'm, of course, Menes. I'm joined by my co-host, who's rudely sipping tea. Already 30, <laughs> 30 seconds in. Paul, the Summer Game Dennett, how are you? Hey, Menes, it's, it's coffee, not tea. It's not rude. And the Summer Game handle, as you
2: know, was retired about three years ago. But hello, everyone. <laughs>
1: We've got to fix that mic up. Anyway, after the last show, we had a, a couple of very upset messages from VJ, who's a loyal listener, and he wrote about the last show. It's disappointing that they talked about all the cricket news during the week, but completely ignored the Asia Cup going on now looks like whatever cricket that does not involve any Western countries will not be covered by Western podcasts, pundits, journalists, etc. Anyway, it's their big miss to ignore the biggest rivalry in world cricket, India versus Pakistan. And then you had another crack today saying you will regret more about bothering about the Asian Cup tournament going on now as it has been terrific. So, VJ, I thank you for the messages. I think we all appreciate feedback, positive or negative. I'm never going to criticise anyone for writing in. I know Paul loves hearing from the listeners, don't you, Paul? Of course, of course. Yeah, and I actually want to explain, you know, what we cover and why we cover it. And, And Paul will hopefully back me up on this, but we try and cover stuff that we can kind of add to the discussion and add some value to your time. And if we are not watching anything and it's not being covered and we, we can't see anything apart from scorecards, I don't think I'm going to add too much to that discussion. i uh, say, so that was a good match. And, but, you know, anyone else can say that. So I feel like it's not valuing the listeners' time if we just talk about cricket we haven't really taken in at all. So it's not that we're ignoring the Asia Cup. We know it's a fantastic tournament. It's not a slice on the tournament, but it, it's not being covered in Australia. You'd have to go on and find it somewhere streaming. And, yeah, so that's why we're not talking about it. It's not that we're dismissing it. Uh, it's just I want to add to the discussion and not just waste people's time. I don't think also that you can draw a
2: line through us and then – connect us to all podcasts and all Western media I think we're just one podcast um, and if it was a test match between India and Pakistan I'd be watching it very very closely and, and have great interest in it but one day cricket for me uh, I'm struggling to watch these Australian games um, bring on, bring on the World Cup and maybe the uh, the Champions trophy and I'd be interested in it. obviously India Pakistan a huge audience but as Ben as said I don't know it's on I don't think it's on um, Foxtel here no, in Australia. It's not. It's getting zero publicity in the same way that um, the National Rugby League is getting zero publicity in India, I imagine. Um, and um, I'd be more than happy to, to to watch the Test Series and hopefully they can find a way to have a Test Series again that, between those two countries.
1: Paul, let's continue with the cricket headlines. There's lots of great comments here, which we'll get to after the cricket headlines. But uh, you made a comment that you were disappointed that the commentators for the Australia v New Zealand ODI weren't um, in cans for the matches. Yeah, um I, I'm not crazy am I? They're, they're not there. Um no, and not. and I would say Ian Smith's in New Zealand. Like they would have a studio in Sydney and a studio in New Zealand because that's what they were doing over summer. Yeah, you're probably right. And I I don't understand why that's
2: the case now that the travel restrictions aren't so aren't so tight. I mean in COVID you had to do whatever you had to do. Now, I just think it's a minor thing, but it does make it harder for them to be spontaneous. Latham at one point hit a six and Smith, rather than jumping into it with his normal brilliant way, kind of had to be a bit cautious because he didn't want to say something too early only to find that, you know, he might've got caught on the boundary. And then that's kind of what happened with um, when Maxwell got out. Brendan Julian in commentary basically off the bat thought, oh, that's going to be six and called it as such. And then the last minute got plucked out of the air. So I just think it's fine, but I, I don't know why they don't go up there.
1: Well, I think it's purely a budgetary thing. I think the the purse, they're trying to save as much money as they can in covering cricket. And I also think that COVID allowed them to do more of this stuff and therefore people have got used to it and they're sort of able to get away with it. Because, you know, you and I noticed the little things, but I guess, you know, the average cricket fan, it probably doesn't sound too different. Um, so they can save a lot of money by doing it it's certainly a lot better than it used to be. Do you remember during the 99 World Cup when bloody
2: Ray Martin, who was hosting it in the studio in Sydney, and for some silly reason every now and again when they'd come back from an ad, instead of going to the commentators in England, Ray Martin, and I think it was Taylor and Healy in Sydney, were were instructed to talk for a minute. And you could hear when they mixed the voice in that it just wasn't anywhere near live and it was just so frustrating and then when they finally went back it was this the full audio came in it was just it was a it was a great relief so they're a lot better than they used to be but i do they really save that much money given that they're already sending all the i suppose maybe the cameras camera operators are sourced locally maybe i don't know um but uh
1: Anyway, um, not the biggest That's issue good. in the world. <laughs> no, but no, it's good to get it out. I mean, there, there was a lot of co- commentary around this, like, um, you know, with say, you know, football codes, whether you cover it at the ground, because there, there's still, there is that slight dif- difference. Martin say, Lawrence says and- Smith
2: and the other people were sitting together. Now, is that definite? Because they, sometimes they're very tricky. They can make it seem like they are, um, but they're not. But if you could see them with no panel between them, and maybe maybe Smithy has come over.
1: Maybe he has. Um, alrighty, so let's move on to the next cricket headline. Um, This is from uh, England. Alex Hales has just been added to the England World T20 squad. Um, Johnny Bairstow, of course, broke his leg playing golf and was ruled out. And while Owen Morgan was captain of the white ball team in England, it didn't seem like Alex Hales would get a recall, but he's been recalled. And, And, Paul, it seems like finally we're getting some sense. I mean, he is a destructive T20 batsman. He should be at the top of the order for England. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's
2: hard to really comment without knowing what went on, um, because the published stuff of what he did didn't seem that bad. But maybe if they'd sort of laid a line, drawn a line in the sand, and said, "Don't ever cross this," and then he crossed it, it's a bit like the Kevin Peterson situation, where from afar you think, "Come on, you got to find a way to get him in there." But if you've been involved in it and sort of uh, made the decision to give that last chance, and then it's thrown back at you, I could see how it might be how it might be difficult. But yeah, I think. Um, it's the right thing for him to get another chance.
1: Mm. It seems to come down to a trust issue with Hales and leading into that 2019 World Cup. Mm. But well, fortune has uh, gone his way with uh, an untimely industry injury to Johnny Besto. So I guess that means Besto won't be playing the last test against South Africa, which is a bit Definitely of a not. loss for England in a deciding rubber.
2: Yeah, and the, the World Cup's a huge loss for him as well. I mean, he's. Um, i'd say that he's probably their most threatening along with uh, butler and there's plenty of them but he's probably the one that i'd be most nervous about if australia was playing england in the in a crucial game in the world cup so yeah huge loss mm.
1: All right. Our next cricket headline is that Australia have lost their third ever one-day international to Zimbabwe. So I got my wish. Finally, Australia batted first. They they lost the toss toss and was sent in on Saturday against Zimbabwe. And they rock and rolled for 141. Uh, Top score of David Warner with 94. The next top score was 19 by Glenn Maxwell. No one else got into double figures. The destroyer for Zimbabwe was the young leg spinner, Ryan Burl, who took five for 10. Yes, that's not a mistake. Five for 10. Straight all out for 141. Uh, Paul, how excited are you that Warner got so close to beating Viv Richards' record record? as having the most percentage of runs in an ODI inning. So Warner's 94 out of 141. Uh, it's not quite the same excitement as when someone gets close to Bannerman. And actually, because Bannerman
2: has the highest in the in test matches, and he did that in the very first innings in test cricket. In fact, he faced the first ball of test cricket, scored 67% of the Australian runs, and that's never been beaten. When that gets threatened, I don't get excited. I get terrified. I think that that's that that should be sacrosanct. Uh, Viv's innings was one that, when for years, when I was growing up, I always knew that Viv had scored the highest score in a one-day, 189. It was years for it till anyone beat that, and it was an incredible match where I think um, it, West Indies were eight for or nine for not many, and then Viv had a massive partnership with Michael Holding, of which Holding contributed about 20. So. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know if that answers your question,
1: but I've, I've talked about it anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that that innings of Viv Richards was, you know, it's kind of mystical when I was growing up. I mean, just before my time, like I think i would too young to to take it in. But then I, I found a video, a BBC video, and saw all the highlights and just an astonishing innings from Viv Richards then. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's one of those innings that was so far ahead of its time it's just hard to believe. Uh, but yeah, Warner almost beat it. Beat that record. Yeah. So a, you say
2: Occasionally, when you look back at the past, you see an innings that looks like it's from the modern day. Um, and that's kind of like that one from Viv.
1: So uh, Australia were all out for 141. Finch, another failure. Five. Steve Smith, one. He's had a couple of failures in a row. Um, and interesting, I thought the team that Australia picked against Zimbabwe was a bit light on batting. It doesn't help when Finch is there, but in the next game against um, New Zealand, they dropped Agar and brought in Manus Labashain. And I kind of like that. I think Manus should be in our one-day side.
2: Yeah, I think so, especially leading towards India. I think that's, uh, that's the right decision. Uh, I think that the way that they played against Zimbabwe – they wouldn't have played that way if it had been a World Cup final. The the, the shot that Carey got out on and the shot that um, even Maxwell, the point that Maxwell was having that partnership with Warner, it was clear that the pitch was pretty difficult and Australia really needed to knuckle down and limp to 200 and it would have been enough. And so I thought it was a little bit of a disappointing shot that, that Maxwell played, as did Carey. I mean, it doesn't... If, if you're going to criticise Australia, if you're going to say there's anything good out of it, Australia always claimed that we... Um, win the matches that matter. And demonstrably, this is probably one of the matches that
1: matters least uh, in all one-day cricket. So, uh, you know, true to form. It's a shame Australia didn't bat first in all three games, not because of that result, but just to see Australia tested in those conditions, uh, I think it was a a good contest for them. And Zimbabwe chased it down seven down with plenty of overs to spare, 11 overs. Hazelwood, the pick of the bowlers, with three for 30. He's taken six for 61 in two games. Quite a good pair of performances for him. So, I, I mean... I quite like that series against Zimbabwe. That winter feel to it. Ah, yeah, it has sort of feeling of old time cricket. Yeah, I mean, there's all these reasons that it shouldn't have happened, but when it did happen, it was still
2: it's still one day cricket. It's still good. I still enjoy it. But for all the reasons I outlined last time, I just think that these games that they don't do much for the for the brand, as it were. And I think that the 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 viewing figures actually were. Um, Pretty deplorable for that second game. I actually, I uh, just remembered I had them. Um, that they were here. What I got them here um, for? Australia versus Zimbabwe game three uh, on Fox Cricket. Uh, the audience was thirty-one thousand. Now. Mm-hmm. Uh, to give you an equivalent um that for say that the number and the number one subscription show during the week was um the AFL first quarter final between Geelong and Collingwood that's 365,000 on um on FoxTel obviously we would have got a lot more on free to air but to the bit the point where i know there are a million um excuses but back in the day in the channel 9 days not that long ago every one day that australia played in got Vastly in excess of a million people watching it, to get thirty-one
1: thousand, um, it's not very good. And I think you got your answer there. Why they're not flying the commentators up to the games? Because wouldn't be a lot of ad <laughs> revenue in those sort of figures. It's true. It's, it's a very, very true. I'm surprised I had commentary at all. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not like me and you doing it. Um, all righty. The next cricket headline. Oh, uh, well, you know, late at night, I like to sort of surf around YouTube and watch some county cricket. Well, I found a Gloucestershire playing at Taunton, which is Somerset's home ground. And straight no, over okay the just- mark. Yes. Can I just say, to
2: to, to was it uh, was it Ruben uh, Loganathan who sent the messages in about the a- uh, Asia Cup? Yes, yes. Well, yeah. um, Ruben, I, I think that you can probably got a point now that if we've if we've ignored the Asian Cup, but Menace is going to talk about Buddy County cricket. <laughs> what the hell's going on, dude?
1: <laughs> well, anyway, Marcus Harris made a lovely century, one hundred and fifty nine Aussie opener. I, I, I think he's actually putting together a good set of experiences playing county cricket. I think he's starting to improve his game and uh, yeah, I just think, keep an eye on Marcus Harris. I know he hasn't set the world on fire at international level yet but I don't think his best days are behind him. Um, And uh, there was some more controversy overnight in England. Nick Maddinson's bat has been taken away by the ECB for testing because there's claims that it didn't pass through the bat gauge which would mean his team Durham would lose basically all the points for the game they're playing in because Madison has an illegal bat. Uh, the controversy seems to be around the fact that the bat previously went th- is – they're claiming it previously went through a bat gauge and passed it. So why isn't it um, passing now? But, I mean, can you imagine like, that he's so cricket, like a bat would be like a millimetre too thick and therefore one team loses every point th- from the game? Maybe
2: Maybe he's using the novelty bat that they tried to give Mark Taylor in 1997. <laughs> Actually, I've got a, on that one, um, I remember in Don Bradman's book, uh, Farewell to Cricket, and he was talking about Bill Ponsford, who was the second best batter of the Australian uh, of that era. And he said that everyone talked about what a wide bat Bill Ponsford had and sort of almost as though it was sort of um, metaphorically wide. But he said one day for a bit of a lark, um, and I'm, I'm getting the quotes horrendously wrong. It's a long time since I read it. But for a bit of a lark, they actually got an official um, bat with tester and put it through. And then Bradman just added, it failed to pass. And then he said nothing more. I was just sort of saying that's why he was almost. As, that's why he was the second best because he had a bat that was too bloody
1: big. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's one using one like Taylor's. Um, all right, so that's uh, staying in England. Uh, the hundred, the second hundred, has come to an end. So in the women's competition, the Oval Invincibles defended their title. They beat the Southern Brave in the final. Marizan Cap was the player of the match, which is her second player of the match in the 100 final in a row. She was player of the match last year for the Overland Invincibles. She took one for 19 and 37 not out. And Marizana Cap is a big match player. Um, And shout out to Amanda Jade Wellington, the Australian leg spinner, who was the leading wicket taker in the women's 100 with 17 wickets. The next best was 11, so very good tournament for her. In the men's hundred, the Trent Rockets beat the Manchester Originals in the final. It was a low scoring thriller with the Rockets needing 121 to win. Lewis Gregory, the skipper, hit the winning runs. Uh, Daniel Sams, um Sydney Thunder, um left arm quick was part of that winning team. Um yeah, did he take any of the hunt in any of the hundred, Paul? No, no of course not um no, no I'm, as
2: i said before last time you got angry at me angelisa um i would love to watch it i'd love to watch all of the cricket but sometimes i can't um i have taken a bit of an interest in it um Subsequently, I've been read a few articles and everything else, and it seems as though if I was to summarise the, the the general mood in England, it is that the the pros and cons. Pros were once again the women's competition was fantastic and raised the profile of women's cricket. Uh, the crowds held up at the ground for both uh, the men's and the women's game, including twenty thousand uh, being in for the final. Uh, I think they count the women's crowd at the fifty-ball mark of the second innings, uh, and they got twenty thousand in for law Lord, at Lords for the final already. So that's fantastic. The fact that it's still on free-to-air is um, absolutely amazing. Um, But the cons, the big one, you know, the TV ratings were down 20%. Apparently, that's um, possibly to, to do with the fact that the Premier League had to start earlier this year because of the World Cup in Qatar. Uh, two days after the 100 began, the Premier League began. Um, not many class matches, poor pitch for the final, lack of star power. But also, there's still that anger in the country that there's the, 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 the hardcore fans have, of county cricket have been alienated and it kind of... Oh, I've been slightly underwhelmed by the 100. I was really big on it, and obviously COVID has harmed it, but it just doesn't seem to have quite grabbed the attention as I thought that it might in the way that the Big Bash did, although it did take the Big Bash a few years to really uh, get a foothold. Um, What do you think?
1: Yeah, they are valid concerns, but I do think it's been successful. I think the crowds at the ground is the big one, the, the mm. fact that so many people are going to the games. I think those TV figures will probably fluctuate in the first few years as it finds its feet. But, but look, there were much more challenges this year. Last year was more COVID-affected, so I think people were just desperate for some live sport, whereas uh, – This year, there's probably more competition for eyeballs, as you say, with the Premier League. I I do think the lineups weren't quite as strong. Um, And if you look at those final lineups, you know, they're not too different to what a big bash sort of couple of big bash teams would look like. Yeah, and
2: that's the problem. Um, But, you know, short of finding a way to get the Indians
1: in and whatever else, it's, it's it's the problem that every league except for India seems to have. Yeah, but uh, overall, I still think there's a lot of positives around hundred. Uh, I saw Matthew Wade was quoted in the newspapers in the last week that you know his daughters, who've who've never been interested in any of his cricket, were really interested in the hundred. They they got the concept straight away. So I'm sure that article you know has some slight bias to it, but still nice story. Um, yeah. I do I do think there were. Um, a couple of – one criticism was, though, is that they did this strange thing where they had the Eliminator and the Grand Final back-to-back. Back. So Oh, they love you know, that in England, don't they? Yeah,
2: they the love Manchester, their
1: finals day of like seven yeah. million games in one day. Uh, just like the Manchester Originals played on Saturday night and then had to play the next – the next night in, at Lord. So uh, I think that is too big of a disadvantage for that team because in the women's comp, I think it's a bit different in the day because you can – but, you know, that Originals team would have been either travelling late or early, so they, they go into a final tired. Just just not great. You can't play cricket two days in a row. Well, not, <laughs> not in different venues than late at night. Uh, <laughs> and also – It's It's fine. It's, uh, it's, it's bad for promotion because it doesn't give you any time to hype up the match.
2: Yeah. That, that part I might agree with, but um, uh, they're, they're probably constricted by needing to get it in as quickly as possible. I'd say. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. So the County stuff could start up again. Um, uh, so heading over to the Caribbean, uh, the Trinbago night Riders won the initial women's CPL beating Barbados in the final. Now, Paul, do you think this was a bit tokenistic? They had three teams playing four games, and that was the women's CPL. So it was three games, and then the final. Well, probably, but uh, you know, if that's the, it's better than nothing. Uh,
2: as long as it, it as long as it is a building block. There's been, you know, um, lots of examples of that in all fields of life that you look back and think that's a pretty weak way to start. But at least it was something.
1: Yeah, I think that's the best you can say about it. At least it was something, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, congratulations to the Trimbago Knight Riders. Now, Paul, you've got a smart suggestion to talk about coming out of the MCC. Yeah, the MCC committee, um, it's quite funny how
2: Lords is always thought of as the old-fashioned guys, but now that the rules are made out of the UAE by the ICC, the MCC committee is kind of this kind of groundbreaking group of people that come up with things that often, often are quite sensible. Uh, Google it and you'll see their list of um, latest recommendations, which all have a lot of sense. But the one I found that quite nice was uh, – to speed up DRS reviews, the MCC recommended that the standard protocol should be cut short as soon as the TV production team is aware that it will not be out. For example, time is often spent trying to discern an inside edge for LBWs only to see that the ball was missing the stumps. As soon as the ball tracking has been loaded, if it will result in a not out decision, the TV umpire should be informed immediately. Now, what I think about that is, I think it was right to have a protocol in the early days. Um, and. It, it, you've got to take these things very seriously. I think the world has moved on a bit now and we have got the the fans and everyone else have got the capacity to realise that if the ball is shown catapulting into the stumps, it's still okay to go back then and check for the um, the inside edge. That's that's okay. So I think that's a, a good suggestion. And it, it leads me on to something that Ian Chappell's always talked about saying, he doesn't like the fact that the reviews are in the hands of the umpires and, and blah, blah, blah. But as much right. as I do like it, as much as I, sorry, yeah, the players, yeah. As much as I like DRS, there there are still the two problems of, one, we do get decisions wrong where either the team has run out of reviews or a player chooses not to review when it turns out to be out. And two, it is putting – it's entertaining, but the the skill of, oh, you've got to be better at reviewing, it's not really what cricket's meant to be. And I think that – and hear me out here, Ben, and I'm interested in your um, opinion on this, but I think we're at the point now where we can – take DRS to the next level. Uh, Jaleesa is not only here, but I'll mention NRL in her honour, that they made a decision in the um, – and don't roll your eyes, I'm not making this point gratuitously. Um, I'm seriously making this point. Rugby League in Australia, they uh, for, for many, many years, they have reviewed when you score a try, whether it's a try or not. And it's always in the hands of the referee. It came to the point, a bit like run-outs in cricket, that you almost had to review every one because – you might have just missed something, and then <clears throat> if you get it wrong,
1: <laughs> I I lost him. <clears throat> if you get Can it I wrong, talk? yeah, you go, you go. Well, no, it just it's funny. I was watching a a classic ODI. I was really craving some cricket, and on KO, I just picked a one from the eighties and that it was pre-checking runouts. Um, they didn't have that TV technology and there was a, a clear runout where the, the guy was, you know, you know, half a foot short, given not out. And I was like, wow, this is so foreign because I'm so used to runouts now always being checked. It's a good point. And also in
2: the early days, umpires were sometimes like, oh, well, you know, I'll be brave and make a decision. And every now and again, they'd give someone, um, you know, not out. And then as the as the play continues the tv cameras would zoom in and realize the batter hadn't actually grounded the bat and that sort of thing and so that's where it's got to the point now unless the batter's is three meters out the umpire is reluctant to make the call which is as it should be but in rugby league it got to the point where virtually every try was being referred and so they said all right from now on if you're not sure but you think it's a try just award it as a try and we'll go on with it they'll light up the kick at goal but the bunker will check it in the background. And then if they see that there's a problem, they'll say, hold on, hold on, we need to have a look at this. I think we're ready for that at the at the international cricket level now where what you don't want is if the umpires have to refer make all the decisions, they'll end up having to refer everything because even one of those court-behinds where you go, oh, that's not out. We've all seen it where it over later they come up with the stick. Oh, actually, there was a small stick on that. You would have to refer everything. But instead, appeal for court-behind, the umpire thinks, I don't think that's out, not out the life moves on and nine times out of 10, we'll never need to look at it again. But in the background, the third umpire bang gets ultra edge up straight away, sees the spike and calls the umpire within 10 seconds. Hold on, hold your horses. Now we'll, we'll go through the protocol and check it. Same if the bat is give, given out. Plumber LBW off they walk straight away. The third umpire checks it without having to muck around as fast as, as fast as it can be done. And oh yeah, that's hitting all three stumps. There's no need to worry about it. But if there's, oh hold on that looks like it's missing, then we, we call it back. And I think that way we would not slow the game down, but we'd get the pretty much the right decision all the time.
1: Yeah. I, I don't love that idea because uh, w- when you're watching at the ground and even when you're watching on TV, when you get those late calls, especially at the ground when you get those late no ball calls out of nowhere – I don't know, I, I like the way it's working at the moment. I just think they need to finesse the way the umpire reads those screens. They need to be better educated. They need more screens. And as you say, you know, if the ball tracking is available, do that first so you can, okay, rule that out straight away, one way or the other.
2: Yes, but you've still got that problem where um, the batter doesn't know whether to make the, the review decision or not because they don't want to mm. squander reviews. And I think that what I've just said is actually going to happen. I think it's inevitable.
1: Okay, well, I mean, if no balls went that way, there's no reason they can't.
2: Well, the thing is with the no balls, they've kind of improved them as well. But I, I completely agree with you. It was a nightmare when they didn't check them and then you're celebrating a wicket and then um, then they check it. Now, because they, you know that they're checking it um, and they get the check done within about three or four seconds, it's much, much quicker. And you know that after three or four seconds, if nothing's happened, it's all fine. I mm. think there could be a little bit of, um, of that in here as well. Fundamentally there's no way of getting it right without using technology for all contentious decisions, because otherwise it's just a guess. And so I think it's going to get to that point, but by doing it this way, you don't slow it down for the the, the decisions that are 99% obvious.
1: Yeah. I want um, <clears> to <throat> robot, robot umpires in our time, Paul. I'd like, you know, when you oh, and I time. are on the couch, um robot umpires all right so that was the cricket headlines brought to you by piccolo podcast we're almost done we're going to hit the comments because there's a lot of people watching live so we'll answer all the questions and comments there and then we've got can't let it go first comment is from pranto when will we listen from you regarding the aussie t20 world cup squad he's eagerly awaiting well pranto um have to go back to last episode because Paul, if I'm not mistaken, we wrapped it up then, didn't we? Yeah, and higher level summary, we're pretty happy
2: with it. Didn't want Finch, and I wanted I wanted um, uh, Green in there instead. Yeah, and Paul was
1: blowing up about Tim David being picked. Not happy at oh, all. Oh, oh. Now let's. <laughs> I have no sense of humour on Tim David. I love
2: Tim David. It's the best selection ever. <laughs> <I know.
1: laughs> uh, Martin Lawrence. If last night's game was on free to air television, we would be talking about it for weeks. Instead, I doubt many people knew it was on. And Martin, you, you spot on there. It, it was a wonderful day for me yesterday. You know, I worked hard like Paul, work, working away producing <laughs> podcasts, and then I, then I get home to watch the evening session of the the One Day, and it was a riveting session. It was a real throwback to my youth, uh, but as you say, most people who you know on, who don't have cable TV wouldn't have had that um, opportunity. Absolutely, yeah, hundred percent right. Joe Smith Finch has got to go. No farewell T Twenty World Cup. Well, I heard Ian Healy saying today on the radio that he thinks they should, you know, take. Finch to the T20 World Cup, but if he doesn't perform in the first couple of games, just bench him. Yeah, and that's what they may, may well end up doing, but
2: you know, if that's the case, then don't take him at all. I don't know what the rules permit now, but, um, you know, um, as I said, no criticism of him keeping on going, and I hope he succeeds, but he wouldn't be in my squad.
1: Right, the next qu- uh, comment, Jose, Adam's audio sound is very low. Thank you, Jose. We know. Um okay VJ so VJ who who commented on last week's show has and, and as I said to VJ I love getting the feedback um thank you very much so this is VJ um he's, he's VJ on Twitter and Roban on YouTube so I, I'm just don't know which one it is but um he, he's thanking us for the explanation and sorry if he said anything wrong VJ you didn't say anything wrong um just wanted to explain where we're coming from. <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah, it was all the fact that we didn't comment on the uh, Asian Cup is just organic. It's just not something that has come across us. But uh, yeah, as I said, if it's a test series, I'd be watching every ball if I could. Um and um we've commented loads on non Western cricket over the years. Yeah, begrudgingly.
1: Um now
2: Brenner's 75- I'll do, I'll do the jokes, <laughs> thanks. That's, that as a poor attempt at humor. It wasn't begrudgingly,
1: you goose. <laughs> Sarcasm. I know, but the sucker doesn't always come across. (laughs) Uh, Brewer, 74. Finch is obviously under pressure. (laughs) Should Manus or Smith be questioned as well? Uh, Brewer, Manus or Smith be questioned? Absolutely not. No, they
2: shouldn't be. Not for the um, 50-over competition. Obviously, Manus isn't in the 20-over stuff, and I think I'd still have Smith in the squad for the T20 World Cup.
1: Jose. Playing three main bowlers alone is not a good idea, I think. It's an interesting question, Jose. I kind of like the balance of two quicks, the spinner, and Cameron Green because then effectively you've got four bowlers.
2: Yeah, and I think that um, um, to say that Green is not a main bowler, I think he's better than that. Um, um, Yeah.
1: I, I... I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Yeah, great. Good. We agree on this one. Uh, VJ, again. By the way, the Indian team deserved to go out of the Asia Cup because they uh, were terrible in all aspects. They have a zero chance of doing well in the World Cup due to bad selection and tactics. I mean, VJ, you you know you you're all over this. You don't need us, does he? <laughs> Uh, Well, what I'd say is VJ, be careful what
2: you say because a very wise man gave Australia no chance of being underperformed in the recent T20 World Cup by the name of Andrew Mensel, and they duly won it.
1: (laughs) A Brewer 74 again. The New Zealand VAU series deserve as big a platform as the Ashes. I'm not sure it deserves a bigger platform as the Ashes, but he says that it is untapped and I would agree with him. Definitely,
2: and the Chapel Hadley Trophy was an attempt to tap into that relationship, and it just hasn't worked because bilateral 50-over cricket has fallen the way of the world. But uh, absolutely, we need to do more with the rivalry with New Zealand, and I've been saying that for ages, and we never seem to do anything.
1: Uh, (laughs) uh, Other questions here. Uh, Jose just made a comment that, Bolts for reminded him of Shane Bond six for twenty three against Australia at Port Elizabeth in the two thousand and three World Cup. Geez, that was a good game where Bickle and Bevan got Australia home. Yeah, I remember. I remember the Bickle and Bevel, Bevan getting us home. I don't remember the um. <laughs> I don't remember the Australian collapse. <laughs> uh martin lawrence has made the comment that he's genuinely surprised that the zimbabwe games were actually televised with a full broadcast and not streamed like the sheffield shield that you work on i don't know if that's an insult or a compliment um i think it's just a comment yes i mean, i agree with you martin it's good we got them on actual tv a uh, pranto biswas sorry i missed the last episode and i love men as humor Thank you. Uh, last question. This is a good one. Uh, so Glenn was batting at seven in the Australian one-day side, and Martin Lawrence asked the question, is it Maxwell batting too low, Paul? I think generally, yes. I, I would like to see him
2: get as many overs as possible. I think maybe last night he actually batted okay. That, that wasn't so bad a spot. I was happy that, for them to promote Cameron Green. I thought it was a... Maxwell bowled brilliantly, took a great catch, but it was a disappointing shot that he got out on that could have cost Australia the game. But in general, I'd like, I mean, I've said it many times, I'd open with him.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm not so sure. I'm starting to think Maxwell is just so compulsive that I don't mind him being always primed for that last 20 overs uh, because he's so effective in elevating the run rate. And he often burns me like Maxwell i put a lot of faith in and then like the last 50 over world cup he never really kicked on he's he can be a frustrating player to support
2: yeah but then so, you know, when he doesn't perform at the bat still uh,
1: taking four wickets what was your number 8 took four wickets um and a great and catch yeah. that's, that's what you want from me number 8 <laughs> exactly so that was all the questions from the listeners thank you we love hearing from you and let's wrap this up with Can't Let It Go, that little bit of cricket news. You just can't let go through to Alex Carey. Paul, what have you got for us? I don't know why I got thinking about this, but just maybe it's uh, I'm really uh,
2: happy that Australia, India, not the next series, but the one after that, are going to go to um, a five-test match series. And I was just thinking, when was the last five-test match series that was played in cricket not involving England? And that's my question for you, menes when do you think the last five test match series took place on in
1: men's test cricket that England wasn't involved in? Australia versus the West Indies, maybe, is the sort of only one I can remember.
2: That's what I would have guessed as well. That was a very, very, very close, 2000-2001. Uh, that is the last time Australia played a five test match series outside the Ashes, um, but it's not quite the right answer. It was West Indies played a five test series against India in 2001, 2002. but So we are over two decades since any country, since any Test match series of five Test matches that
1: didn't involve England. Wow, that's an incredible stat. Um, all right, my can't let it go. And, yeah, like you, Paul, I'm thrilled that we're playing five tests against India. Now, my can't let it go is uh, the a new competition was recently completed in Brisbane. It's called the KFC T20 Max. We're not sponsored by KFC, but uh, that's what it, the comp is called. And it it was a, a competition in Brisbane played in August and September with the 12 premier cricket clubs. And what was um, – different about it is obviously it was played in winter but those clubs for this competition could sign three interstate recruits so if there were players from around the country who wanted to play some cricket in winter they could go to Brisbane and play in this comp that was played over a month and it was uh, streamed on KO so I watched quite a bit of it because it was on at a family friendly time and I I just think a, a great initiative to have that sort of inventive competition um, you know it's obviously very um, local and you know it's not going to be for everyone but you know I, I thought it was it was great for the cricketers it was, it was actually entertaining to watch the coverage was good and uh, yeah just clever so um yeah didn't watch the Asia Cup but did watch the uh, <laughs> very good very good <laughs> uh, but actually some good lineups I mean yeah really some interesting stuff alrighty um so that was uh, cricket unfiltered for this week. Exciting, Paul, next week on Monday I'm heading into the Cricket Central at New South Wales Cricket to um, scope out the new premises and interview a few uh, New South Wales cricketers.
2: Hopefully when Cricket Australia gets their act together,
1: they'll move everything there from Jollymont time that Sydney took over from Melbourne. Absolutely. I mean, I don't even think Victoria needs a cricketers' association. Just sort of it it all could come under the NS New South Wales cricket umbrella (laughs) moving forward um yeah so that'll be mondays well be out, the show will be out sort of probably tuesday wednesday next week recording in uh, cricket central so um yeah that should be fun thanks everybody for listening thanks to adam for joining us from uh new zealand thanks guys thanks adam see you all thanks for listening we'll be back next week